You're listening to Once, episode 265, Street Rats Initial Reactions. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Erin. And we just watched this episode, Street Rats. And we want to share with you our initial reactions. We're going to be a bit all over the place. We may not get everything right. We want your feedback for our upcoming full discussion, which is on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at com slash live. Go to the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 265 for our contact information to comment on this episode and to share this episode out. And thank you for sharing the podcast with others. First of all, this episode, I I felt like it was kind of mixed to me. Like there was some really cool stuff, some other stuff that was just like, eh, that's not all that great. What'd you think of it, Erin? Yeah, I felt like this was one of those um, episodes that kind of set up a lot of things maybe resolved a couple of things there. Yeah. There were some really good moments and then there were a couple eye rolls as well. Yeah. Now we got to learn more about Aladdin and Jafar's history, which I'm not so sure if we're complete with that. I feel like since Jasmine said their kingdom is in trouble, that means Jafar is still being a menace to their kingdom which kind of kills the idea that Jafar is secretly the Oracle. And maybe even Evil Queen killed that idea kind of literally in this episode as well. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as you when we were watching at the beginning that the Oracle was maybe not really dead, but then like they explained it very quickly that the Evil Queen had maybe tortured her for some information that she wasn't willing to give. And so I do, I do believe that she is dead now. But yeah, my like, <laughs> I'm having a hard time separating this from the Wonderland spinoff and putting it in a timeline. If we're not supposed to be doing that, I guess then perhaps Jafar is still there and tormenting Agrabah, um, or he he could even still be gone and have done that whole other journey uh, with the genies and the lamps that we saw in the spinoff, and uh, he had somehow done something to Agrabah before he disappeared for that. But yeah, it's I'm not liking so much that they're bringing this storyline back and not really acknowledging that whole chunk that they know that the Oncers know about from watching Once in Wonderland. Well, they they may still. And I think the way that it could be easily reconciled is, for one thing, the events that we're seeing in Agrabah happen after the events in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Or they happen in a different place of Agrabah. Remember, Agrabah is an entire country. It's not only a city. And in this episode, they specifically said the capital of Agrabah. So it could have its own sultan, not the sultan that is Jafar's father. Spoiler. But maybe (laughs) this is a different sultan, you know, different family, all of that, different location. So I could see that being a way to reconcile that. Or even simply, this is much after, years after, whatever, after the events of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, so that 
this is a new sultan. This is the new sultan that's leading this. And the events of Wonderland have already passed. Jafar has somehow escaped the events of everything that happened in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And now he's out either seeking revenge, seeking power, something like that. And that's what brings us to his confrontation with Aladdin. Which I would be fine with if he didn't still have Amara. Yeah. The staff. Another spoiler. Sorry. That is the other hole in this theory. So hopefully we find out more. I don't think they're ignoring it and expecting us to simply because of the appearance of Dr. Lydgate in the last episode. So I think they're kind of baiting us. Maybe me personally. Maybe they're like, we know. We know Aaron's going to comment on this. (laughs) Well, and speaking of bait, do you think that the whole dead Oracle thing was real or maybe simply bait? I was thinking that it was bait at first, but I'm okay with it not being bait if that's the the way they decide to go. I don't like making strong assertions (laughs) about things like that because they don't seem to to even follow the rules of dead is dead anymore. So I think if we see her again, it's going to be in a flashback. Well, Jafar referred to... Iago, or the red bird, whom we're thinking is Iago, as an oracle of sorts. And that makes me think of the oracle who uses a bird staff. And the connections there, I I really want to see our theory that the oracle has been Jafar this whole time proved to be correct. And that this whole thing that just happened was all fake. After all, it looks like what affected the oracle was the poison from the Agrabah Viper. And where does that poison come from? Well, Jafar would obviously know how that poison looks because he's from there. Evil Queen, yeah, has seen it, but she doesn't have the poison. Then again, she could simply do something magical on her own to make it look like that kind of death. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. And it seemed to me that the Evil Queen really wants to know what Emma's vision is. Why does she want to know so badly? Is she looking for a way to defeat Emma, maybe? Yeah, that part was, it was interesting because as soon as Evil Queen as Archie left the apartment and changed back into the Evil Queen, they purposely let us hear kind of the, the confrontation that was then happening between Emma and her family. And the evil queen was just kind of snickering to herself. So I'm like, is she just trying to stir the pot and trying to make them fight, which is then going to make them all, you know, distracted and weak and so that she can carry out her task. And then they went and had a spa day. So it didn't really seem like she needed that information for anything. Yeah, that's true. And she is all about the tear yourselves apart. (laughs) I think I've said that in almost every episode of our podcast since she said it. (laughs) I don't blame you. What I don't really like in this episode is that there's this diamond in the rough that causes someone to become the savior. That, to me, makes Once Upon a Time's magic lose some of its magic. Because the original magic came from the chalice and it came through Merlin and then the whole thing with the dark ones and then it spread. Magic was introduced into our world by that. And the reason that Emma is the savior, and I know we got some feedback about this saying, well, Rumple didn't make Emma the savior. And we someone in- interpreted something we said as saying Rumple made Emma the savior. 
Yeah. Well, because I said I said that pretty blatantly. Yeah. Yeah. No. In a way, he did. He made her the savior of the curse. He took that true love potion, and this was explained in the finale of season one. He took that true love potion, put a drop on it as the way to make her the key to breaking the curse, thus making her a savior for a specific thing. But since then, they've really taken this savior label and applied it to so much more than only that original thing. And in fact, in the very beginning, they did say, Henry said to Emma, you'll be the one to bring back the happy endings. But it seemed like that was because she would be the one to break the curse. Now we learn there are multiple saviors and there's this diamond in the rough thing that makes someone the savior for their land. Yeah, and it's he didn't even have to do anything really brave to get it. He just had to be a good thief which seems to also be a common trait among saviors, if, I'm, if I might mention that. But yeah. in the original Aladdin movie, which this was vastly different from, but in the original Aladdin movie, he was going to the cave to save somebody, I think. It's been a while since I've seen it, but because he was in the dungeon and he was helping this old man who was really Jafar. And in this one, basically, Princess Jasmine blackmailed him into going and then... All he had to do was like be clever enough to like displace a weight on a sword for well, a booby-trapped gem. It's the Indiana Jones trick. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not even I guess maybe that gave him the magic and his choice to stay and fight Jafar instead of cutting his destiny from him. Maybe that's what actually made him the savior was his choice to stay just like Emma's choice to go to Storybrooke and her choice to stay and to believe in Henry is really what made her the savior. Because like Henry said in this episode, she could have just kept living her life. Yeah. And it it depends on how do you define savior? Is it simply someone who saves a group of people, which is kind of what they're putting it as, but then anyone can be a savior with or without magic and they don't have to be destined for it or anything. Like Emma was To use that same word, Emma was destined to be the savior to save Storybrooke, bring back the happy endings through that way because she was the one to break the curse. Whereas Aladdin was not destined. Uh, He could have, anyone could have chosen to try to defeat Jafar with the help of magic or anyone really could have tried to do it without the help of magic. Would they have been the savior then? I feel like this diamond in the rough thing did not make Aladdin the savior, but that's kind of the way they're putting it in the TV show is to make us think this is like the savior catalyst that whoever touches this becomes the savior when it was really his decision to be a type of savior to his land. Yeah, I agree. And even I still take issue with the whole idea of destiny because there's all these foretellings and foretellings can create things to happen because they're known like that can create the story versus a destiny kind of situation. So (laughs) even the whole idea of a savior, even the idea that, Ooh, every savior is destined to die. Well, every human is destined to die. That's what humanity is. That's why we're not immortal. We're human. And I know there's a bunch of religious connotations of, of what happens after, you know, life on earth, but 
as far as earth life goes, humans die. That's, it's kind of a, a silly way to say all humans are, or all saviors are destined to die. Yes. Every single person in the show is destined to die at some point. Yeah. And it's really like, how do they die? When will they die? Is it something they have control over? Will they get to live alone, healthy, wonderful, loving life, or will they die quickly? I think that's what they're putting it up for. And will they be a hero? in this process. And you know what? Speaking of heroes, I want to thank some heroes for making this episode of the podcast possible. That is Lisa Slack, David Newland, and our 28 heroes on Patreon. You'll get to hear some of their names in our upcoming full discussion. Thank you very much for your support of the podcast. You have gone and carefully balanced some magical monkey on a sword and made it possible to save us from the columns that threaten to crush the podcast. But you, with your hero powers, your ingenuity, your apple that you share with us, you are the hero to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We couldn't do the podcast without you. So big thanks. The land needs you. Our podcast needs you. Thank you for being a hero to the podcast. Now, if you listening right now have not had the opportunity to be a hero yet for the podcast, then please, the diamond in the rough is available for you. It's at oncepodcast.com slash hero. Our heroes get access to fun things like our bloopers and some other stuff. So please check it out, support the podcast, and go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for saving us from that column. I mean, thank you for supporting the podcast. (laughs) Oh, you do that so well, Daniel. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That one was totally a setup. I was totally setting myself up to say hero so that I could say, speaking of heroes, (laughs) people listen for the transitions. It's true. Probably. Getting to see Raphael Sabarge play Archie, but as an evil queen version of Archie must have been fun for Raphael Sabarge to get to, in a way, be the evil queen for a day. He did that so well. As soon as it was like a snap of a finger, and as soon as that snap happened, he was the evil queen. It was amazing. I thought it was funny. Like, I know that he, quote, got his PhD from a curse, (laughs) but he takes his job very seriously. So I was a little disappointed that Emma even believed that Archie would betray his, you know, confidentiality as a therapist like that. But it was kind of... I'm glad that the cat is out of the bag and that Emma's family knows. And it kind of gave us those moments with the charmings that a lot of people say are the things, the first things that get cut from an episode are those like heartfelt family moments and like the mother daughter conversation and then Henry and Emma and their bonding and all of that stuff. I'm, I'm glad that they kind of, that the evil queen kind of propelled them into that. even though she thought she was doing evil. Well, so she helped them, yes. But because of this, now Hook seems to not trust Emma, and Hook is keeping those scissors for himself. They're not thousands of leagues under the sea, which makes me think we're going to get to meet Nemo. Not like the fish, (laughs) but as in Captain Nemo with the 20,000 leagues under the sea. Maybe, or maybe it's just simply a reference to that. But besides that point, Hook probably wants to keep those scissors. I don't think that he sees Emma as a threat. I think he wants to keep the scissors as a way that he can save Emma if she's not willing to save herself. I agree. 
That's exactly what I thought. Even though he was very cold in this episode to her, like you can tell that he was annoyed or hurt that she didn't tell him. I don't think it's a situation where he's like going all dark again. I do think that he has the best intentions at heart and they're either going to backfire or it's going to be like, oh, conveniently, I have these shears. Would you like to use them now? It does seem a little bit uh, familiar with how Emma treated Hook when he was the dark one, but he didn't know it. Like she was kind of keeping a secret from him. She was protecting him in many ways. Maybe that's partially what's motivating Hook, but I I don't like, I mean, they, they agreed no more secrets. Now Hook is keeping a secret from her. But then again, I think I'm pretty sure Emma said almost the exact same phrase a couple episodes ago. And then what did she do? She turned around and started keeping more secrets from Hook. I feel like in season one, episode 18, <laughs> hat trick, was that even the right episode? When Mary Margaret and Emma defeat, air quote, the Mad Hatter and kick him out the window, I feel like Emma promised that she wasn't going to keep secrets from Mary Margaret anymore. <laughs> Like, no more secrets. We're a family. Like, don't run away again. (laughs) So it's kind of a repetitive storyline at this point. A bit. Yeah. Uh, And when they said endings usually suck, (laughs) I I really hope they're not thinking of the ending for the show. That it, it will be one of those things that we'll all say, oh, man, that was horrible. That was terrible. What a bad way to end a show. I can tell you, I have hated probably 90% of the TV series endings of shows that I've watched. And I hate almost every single third novel in a trilogy. I just, I don't think that people know how to properly end a a series. (laughs) So I can agree with that statement. Yeah. One thing I did want to mention about this episode is a little bit of a theory about Emma's vision, which... I was surprised in previous episodes this season that they haven't been talking about the price of magic, even though they've kind of been flashing back to season one, where the very common phrase was, all magic comes with a price. And I wonder if the dark figure, just random theory that I'm throwing out there, is Emma's price of magic. Because she's using magic pretty freely now and not really paying attention to that consequence that we know has always been there. So I just wonder if somehow that is her price of magic, that it somehow manifests into this cloaked figure. I know that's not as exciting as if it's, you know, Regina betraying her again or Rumpelstiltskin, but I I do wonder if it's going to be something at least along those, that theme, because Emma has definitely been using her fair share of magic and seemingly without a price. That's a really interesting theory. Uh, That kind of goes along with the Emma is battling herself kind of thing, which the more I see it, the more I think that's what this is going to be, because what else would be that, that amazing reveal is it's not the evil queen who they're really setting us up to think it's either Regina or the evil queen. But it might not be. It might be actually Emma in some way. Mm -hmm. And that would be one way for her to pay the price for magic. Or maybe this is some way that she figures out she can remove the dark one 
aspect of herself from herself without having to die. Maybe. It does seem very similar to last year's timeline of removing pieces of ourselves to not have to deal with them. Yeah. So we do want to deal further with this episode and we would love to have your feedback. So please go to oncepodcast.com slash 265 for our feedback information and let us know what you think is going on, how this connects things together, and we'll try to incorporate your feedback in our upcoming full discussion, which is usually on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern over at oncepodcast.com slash live. The technology we use may actually be changing sometime soon, but that URL, oncepodcast.com slash live, will always take you to the right place to go. So always visit using that URL. Don't bookmark wherever you land when you use that URL, but Use that, enter that into your browser, oncepodcast.com slash live, Sunday nights for our live chat during the show and the initial reactions afterward, as well as Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for our live full discussion. And please send us your feedback, send us your theories, what you think is going on. You can also discuss things with other fans in the forums, and that's all available at oncepodcast.com. Please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast, and I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. We'll be back for our full discussion at Wednesday, 7 p.m. at oncepodcast.com slash live. And until then, are you psychoanalyzing me? Well, thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you would like to be a hero to the podcast as well, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.